Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Russell Banachek. From a young age, Russell knew that interacting creatively with the fine arts would bring him joy and a better understanding of his world. He focuses on two-dimensional visual art as a way to express his observations, new perspectives, and memories. Welcome, Russell. Hi, Mitch. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. I love it. And, and so if people um, get to watch us live, they get to see some of this actual beautiful artwork. But we'll definitely share later where they can check it out on their own if they're just listening on a podcast. Okay. But we were talking about one of the paintings that you just brought in here. And I was like, wait, we got to talk about this. So you have been commissioned by St. Louis University Hospital right. for some beautiful bird paintings that my favorite of all of the art you do. I love these the most. Right. Um, and so where is it going to be? Um, they just built a brand new hospital there at Grand in Shoto. Okay. And it's going to be on one of the halls of the hospitals, and I don't know which one yet, but they've got a plan because the way the designers thought about each floor, it had to do with what level or um, what state the patients were in. Okay. So I think mine's going to be on the top floor uh, where they're, supposedly the patients are going to be almost out of recovery, ready to go home. Ready to take flight. That's right. Hence the birds. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. so cool. And, how, and so how did this come about that you got this commission? Well, one of the things that I've done over the past decade is go to outdoor art festivals. Mm -hmm. And very often, interior designers come to these art festivals around town and they check out the artist's work what they might be able to use or, you know, show a client. Got yeah, And right. so a couple of them <clears throat> asked me if, they would be, if I'd be willing to send them a digital portfolio of my work so they could have it on file. So if there was a client that was looking for a particular type of work, that they would show it to me. Um, so one was Arch Design. Oh, uh, awesome. Which is here in St. Louis. Yep. And the other one is called um, PJ um, Consulting. Okay. And they're out of Denver, Colorado. Really? Yeah. So the one from Denver, the interior designers there, they're the ones that got the job to decorate the new hospital at SLU. Very cool. So when someone comes to you then, I mean, we were talking about this, that they, they're like, I like this, but can you do it bigger? Can you do it with different colors? I mean, that's all part of it. It's like you're... Yeah. you're you're using their palette, if you will, right, yeah, to right. create something that works in their space. Yeah. But you also had recently, did you not, someone who, who used your painting for their palette. That's right. Which I yeah. love. Yeah. They yeah. said, we love this painting. Let's decorate around it. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Which, Does, which I prefer. But <laughs> well, well, of course. Yeah. Of course. But, you know, we all yeah. have to eat and good stuff like that. Um, so let's talk about, and, and I, I, so I know a lot about you, but not everybody else does. So we have to, we have to go back. But talk about when you were younger, I love the story about how you liked people in action. You like that motion feel. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that inspired it specifically was when I was in graduate school. Um, I was asked to do a series of work that was relatable to each other. You know, not just a bunch of variety of things, but just one idea. <clears throat> I had a really hard time figuring out what, what I was going to do with that. But since I was already doing a, drawing people a lot, and usually drawing people like walking or in, you know, in, moving from one spot to another, that kind of stuff, 
But the other、um, thing about it in my life at that point, I was broke, <laughs> 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 even though I was on a fellowship and I was a teaching fellowship. Right.、Um, I didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have a car. So one of the things I decided to do was to、um, buy a bike, which was the first time. I mean, I, I rode it as a child. Okay. But as an adult, I never thought, well, this is going to be my main mode、right. of transportation. Right. Right. But I was doing that, and of course, everybody else at the university. I was at Penn State University at the time, and watching just hundreds and hundreds of, you know, students、um, riding their bike back and forth from wherever they were. And just one day, I just noticed this this incredible choreography of all these people moving forward. Right.、Um, and so, that just sparked my interest in. Well, I'm going to start now doing、um, images about people moving on bicycles. And I took a, took a long time to figure out about how to create the motion, not just do a portrait of a person sitting on a bike. And that's what I started with then back in for my graduate program. But I did this whole series of paintings about.、Um, People on bikes, but in motion, right? You know, and I, I sort of blurred the image a lot and put in a lot of texture and a lot of marks that implied movement,、um, and that's where the whole idea about that series came from. But then in this recent period, then I moved to the work that you see here, right? The、um, birds, yeah. <laughs> Another thing that moves a lot, right? <laughs> right. Constant motion, <clears throat> but again, I didn't really want it to be specifically about a portrait. You know, a very detailed portrait of a person just sitting on a bike or a bird just sitting on a fence. Right. I really wanted to do something about sort of more metaphorically about the idea of motion, how everything's you know always in transition, things change constantly. We're always in motion,、um, and I wanted to do that in my work so that you can you can tell that there's a bird there, but then there's a lot of other movement there too. Right. Movement of color or shapes or different designs that implied motion. Is that what the little, the circles? That's the, right. The, tell me、yeah. about the circles. <laughs> I mean, because that to me, I mean, that's like that's a that's a Russell Vanacek. The circles.、Yeah. I love that part. Tell me about that. Well, I was trying to figure out different tools and different things. Like I found this tool at a hardware store that it's a six-inch、um, plastic thing that people that lay carpet down use. And on, on, on each, each side of that tool, there's a set of combs, and they're different lengths and widths. And so I would just fussing with that. I would put the modeling paste down and just run that sort of like a rake through the modeling paste. And one day, so it would be really great if I could do a concentric circle thing. Right. So I just practiced how to do that with、um, with that four inch square tool, and there was just a flat piece of plastic, and I just figured out ways of you know doing those circles like that. And getting different because like some of them the lines are closer together, some are they're they're a little bit farther apart, and that's all from one tool. Or do you have like? It's all from one tool. Risk technique. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,、uh, I think it's awesome, and there's something about it, and I, I would love to. I I don't know that I can exactly describe it other than I just really am drawn to it. I、uh, find it very attractive and and appealing. Yeah, I think the other reason why just generally, <clears throat> circle and just in general, implies motion. Right. Because、right. there's no end. Right. You know. Um, and then the other thing about that I wanted was I wanted to in the texture I wanted to try to emphasize motion.、Um, so, and some people that have seen it too, they say, "Oh, that reminds me of the birds singing." Oh, 
Oh, now that's a thought. I um, like that. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And so, you know, as sound comes, you know, from its origin, it moves out, you know, in space. And so people can hear it. So I said, well, that's fine. It wasn't exactly my idea. Right. You know, but, but it's but that's what's cool, right? Because you get to talk to different people and they have different thoughts about what they're looking at. And, and it the, just adds to it. And the, Yeah, exactly. And the main idea was to imply motion in any way that I could either with color um, changes or with texture changes. And, uh. I love it. Well, we're going to take a quick break, Russell. We'll, re- we'll be right back. Okay. Okay, so we are back with Russell Vanacek, and we've been talking about his beautiful paintings, which if you guys were on Facebook Live, you could see them. Um, but Russell, tell me about, because you, you, know, you talked about the the people in motion the bike series and then eventually now you've gotten into the bird series what how did you get there the transition was one of the things that i started doing in my garden at home was i decided to start building a garden that attracted birds and butterflies Um, and i really wanted the um the yard to be really more of a a haven for all kinds of species other than just you know irises that look pretty. (laughs) Right, right, gotcha. They're (laughs) Um, pretty, but... um, But then the other idea behind me trying to transform a regular suburban lawn into something that was growing all kinds of things was my other um, project in my life about talking about care for the environment. I've been doing that for a long while, really, actually. Ever since I was a classroom teacher, I really talked a lot about um, the environment and how it's been changing over time. But in this recent period, I've been part of a program called Sustaining All Life, and it's a reaction to the climate crisis uh, that's been going on. And that's a a whole other story, but one of the pieces of the work is for people to really start thinking about um, other people as opposed to just the science. Right. Part of what we're trying to do with um, our project is to put people first. Um, as opposed to trying to come up with the right recycling program or figuring out if the scientists are right or not or trying to make all kinds of guesses about what's actually happening. Right. But in the end, what's going to happen is going to affect all of us. It's going to affect human beings. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've noticed in particular is that the places where the most damage is going to be done are people that are living either indigenous or native people. Um, and so we certainly wanted to start thinking about them and how to back them in their world because they're going to experience, it seems, more quickly than the rest of us. Certainly like living here in the central U.S., we're probably not going to see quite the damage um, as easily as right. some of the ones that are you know, either in islands or closer to the coast and that kind of stuff. They're so vulnerable on yeah. those little islands. But in general, we, re- we really think we want to put people first. So what we're asking people to do is to think about how do you reclaim your, um, what, your love, your understanding, your living in nature constantly. Mm-hmm. You know? I know you might be in a suburban backyard or you might be on a farm, but the outside world, nature is around you all the time. So we ask people to throw a, how can you reconnect with the land and, you know, with the way the world is set up right now in terms of the climate? Um, what are your early memories about really enjoying, like, seeing a bug on the ground, right, you know, right. or playing in the mud or, you know, experiencing, um, you know, a hike in the woods and finding all kinds of interesting things to pick up off the ground? There's actually studies 
that show that kids, it's good for them to play around in the mud and such. Like that, that there's like a good reason for, well, hopefully, maybe not right now. It depends on where the mud is, obviously. But, you know, but there was a reason for why kids should be running around outside getting dirty. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there's another sort of political reason here too, generally, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, most of the human population, particularly in this part of the world, are in urban spaces. Right. Where growing things and being attentive to nature is less and less happening to families and to institutions. So uh, I think this is another way to push people towards looking at more directly at nature. And that's another piece about what I wanted to bring out here is the complexity of nature and uh, um, the, the colors, the textures. And, and that's really where my main idea for the birds came was I loved just sitting there and watching the birds do what they do. Right, <clears throat> right. Moving around and drinking and after each other and building nests and all that kind of stuff. So they're rarely sitting still. You know, True. they're constantly in motion. Yes. So that's part of it. But also, because of the change of seasons, you know, things change in terms of color, the ground, leaves, the sky, you know, all kinds of things constantly change. So I really wanted to emphasize all the things that I remembered about being outdoors, you know, playing with, you know, rocks, building all kinds of rock structures, you know, and um, digging up worms, you know, for no good reason. <laughs> Just you know. to see what the heck you know. those things look like. That's right. <laughs> what are you guys doing there? <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's curiosity. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about these paintings you brought in. Um, what, tell me just, I mean, I don't even know how to ask the question really, like the thought process behind them or what did you think of before you started or do you just start and then just like kind of let it evolve on its own? Some that I let it evolve on its own, but there's also a method there. Okay. What I'm doing first is I'm doing just um, sort of randomly and intuitively just laying down texture and color. Okay. Many layers like on, on this piece here, this probably has about six layers of adding ah. <coughs> texture and paint and color. Gotcha. So, so when I first start, it could be just as simple as dripping some my favorite colors. Right. You know, down. I'm feeling this right now. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Right. And this stuff is put down first, um, the texture surfaces. I use, actually I'm using um, modeling paste and also wet plaster. Okay. And the reason why I'm switching from more plastic and resin-based things is that um, plaster is more flexible. Okay. So after I put it down, I can scratch it or sand it away or manipulate it some more. Um, And then I'll put another layer on color of that where I've scratched it. Like in this place here, these were connected, but I sort of took them up to break it up a little bit, the circle. Yeah. But that was the second round after I had made the circles. and so then, um, so a lot of these things are the original colors when I first just dripped or splashed or whatever them down. Okay. But I slowly build up the surface until I get like either some reference to nature, like outdoors. Right. And then I find a place where I want to insert the bird. Okay. It could be on a branch. It could be, you know, sitting up on a, you know, a flower stalk or whatever. Um, but the bird shape really comes in almost last. Really? Yeah. Are okay. So, so. The, the, it's like after all the texturing and the coloring, at one point you're like, this is where this bird, or 
or where two birds are going to go. Like that's right. when you decide. Yeah. So this bird was actually the inspiration was about a bluebird. Okay. And so I knew I wanted to put some blue down somewhere. You gotcha. Know, gotcha. On the, on the original stages, but then I really liked the way I did because I had you know just dropped some some flecks of colors in there. But I thought that would be a really good place to then put that particular bird. Um, and then the other one over here was. I was thinking more of cardinals and red birds yeah, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Okay. So, oh, so there's a third bird. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I see it now. Yeah, now yeah. I see it. Oh, yeah, my gosh, yeah. I didn't see that before. Got ya. Oh, and a fourth bird. There's here. a whole lot of birds. This yeah. is like one of those puzzles. Yeah. How many birds do you see? I need to get my eyes checked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the other one where I just really just decided to be a little bit more specific about the bird this is a common yellow throat. Okay. Um, but I love its uh, very, very bright breast. Right. Uh, it's always very that intense yellow, you know. And they have a black, you know, headdress and black wings, and so they really stand out, you know, right. a lot. But I wanted to just feature the bird a little bit more, so I put that above, you know, the the grass and the flowers and the textures and all that. You know? Gotcha. They're and, just beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to take another break and we'll be right back with Russell. All right, we are back with Russell Vanacek. It is question time, sir. My first question for you today. So, I mean, you talked about the bluebird and the cardinal and what was the other guy? A common yellow throat. Do you, do you have a favorite bird? Or do you have like a, like... And it doesn't have to be for all of time and eternity. Is there a favorite bird right now? Like, is there a bird you're thinking, I need to paint, I want to paint? Not particularly, but one of the things that I've decided to do is just to um, work with birds that are native to this region. Oh, cool. Gotcha. I didn't want to do exotic birds or birds from other, you know, continents or whatever, but I wanted something that was in our zone, you know, in the United States, so... You'll have to listen to another podcast I did with Joe Steensma. He's with Washington University. He does a he does a whole thing about um, how he equates birds and how birds, you know, are they 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 recycle themselves. I mean, they they like they're not there's no waste when it comes to birds, right? You know, and he teaches that in how business should be, not producer using the waste to do something else with. You know that you're not like creating waste. But he said one of the reasons why he moved here is because this area is basically like the Silk Road for birds. Like ev like so many birds come through our area. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. so there's a lot for you to paint out there, Russell. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, did you ever paint something that you just went, oh my gosh, just throw it away, or, <laughs> or I have to do something different with it, or it just wasn't happening? Often. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really? And that's the one um, great thing about this particular way I'm doing this uh-huh. is because if I didn't like that layer, I didn't like with the bird, a whole new layer you comes You can just up. put another layer right on. on. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay. It, does it hurt a little bit to have to do that, or are you at peace uh, no, with it? No, because I'm so annoyed with what I did. Okay, gotcha. He's like, I paint over it, paint over it right yeah, now. I can't, I can't look at it, it anymore. anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was always wondering, like, did you know, was that an every once in a while thing? Or for artists, it was like, oh, that happens a lot. We just paint. Because, you know, you go to museums, uh -huh. or you learn about these different pieces of art at museums, and they're like, 
underneath here was this, and then they painted over it, you know? Yeah. And some, it's because they went, this is like bad. This. I don't they want it. Like I don't four or five it. layers under them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so you talked about being a teacher, mm-hmm. and one of the things that you were interested in was going from STEM to STEAM, adding art in. That's Talk right. about that. Yeah. We, why, you know, like, I agree with you, but let's let everybody know, why should art be a part of that? Right. Um, there was a movement just generally in education where um, they wanted to try to make the um, uh, the whole sort of setup of education to be more relatable and connected. Right. So instead of just doing discrete things with math and then moving to a whole new subject with social studies and then going to English, they wanted things to be more connected. Okay. Because really and actually what we figured out in terms of our brains we learn more um, accurately. That makes complete sense. And things are more connected to each other. Right, right. But, of course, the people that figured that out were scientists and mathematicians. Gotcha. So they stuck with that. That's right. (laughs) And I think the other thing that drove that, too, was this uh, phenomenon in the past 20 years that in the United States, it's harder and harder to find scientists and engineers that know what they're doing. Okay. You know, there's such an influx between people coming from outside here um, to learn. and But the school systems in the United States, unfortunately, are getting lower and lower in terms of the quality of people that can handle engineering and science. Really? Yeah. Oh. So this was another motivation in terms of the, the STEM movement. Yeah, yeah. But um, the president of Rhode Island School of Design, he became a really hard advocate for it because they were fighting in the state of New Jersey um, about their educational process. Okay. Actually, it was Rhode Island, excuse me. Where? No, you think you said Rhode Island? Yeah, okay. The Rhode Island School of Design in Rhode Island. Anyway, so he went to the state legislature and said, you need to really include the arts. Being an educator, I was always linking um, what they were doing in my classroom to their other subject areas. Right, right, cool. Because if you're talking about, you know, perspective, or if you're talking about blending colors, all that kind of stuff, it's basically science. It's just that you're using the science and technology in a creative way. Right. But in the STEM program, that's the one thing that I saw that they were missing. They got the stuff about connection and making it relatable. Right. But they forgot about how to think about being creative with children. And that's a huge part of what we need to do is creativity is is in everything you do. So there is, like in my work, there is some science behind it. Really? You know, in talking about the anatomy of birds Mm -hmm. and talking about the seasons of the year and how they change color and all those kinds of things. So there's no reason why you couldn't have them do, you know, let's let's paint a bird but paint it in five different colors or shades or whatever, you know. So that you're still getting them to think about the anatomy of the bird or the seasonal aspect of their lives and all that kind of stuff, which has to do with, you know, climate and all that kind of stuff, which is part of science, you know. Right. But now you get them into a space where you can actually have them think creatively together. And then the other thing that STEAM is really trying to do is trying to think, what are the world's problems that we have to solve? Because right. we know the younger generation are going to be the people that are going to start doing that. They're showing it. They're yeah. doing it. Yep. Yeah. So instead of just thinking about 
how to build a building actually correctly, you know, as an engineer, to think about what's its environment and what city is it in? What is the neighborhood like? What are their needs? Um, how do the children really play on a playground? So we would ask the, I would ask them to say, when you're doing that kind of thing, have the children create their own space. Yeah. You know? and Very human-centric. I love it. And so that's why I was a big advocate, because I did it here, um, Monsanto and um, Boeing, to start a program to put steam in all the schools in right. St. Louis County and St. Louis City. But um, I was hired to be a part of that team, actually for another reason. But I'm glad I got on the team because I started immediately advocating for the arts because um, I was ready. <laughs> right, right. I'm time to get my voice heard. Listen. Well, it's so thoughtful. I just, I mean, it's, there's so much thought that, I mean, it's, I love it. Thank you for doing what you do. Welcome. Thank you for making the world a more beautiful place yeah. with the many, many layers. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> it is. It's truly. So let's tell everybody where they can find you. Um, well, I have a website. Yes. It's russellvanacek.com. I will simple. put that on all of our information. And I have a Gmail account. You can get that too. Okay. And I happen to live in the Lafayette Park neighborhood in St. Louis City. Oh, pretty. So um, I have my studio there in my home. I'll always welcome to come there and find my work in progress or what I've got on, on hand at the moment. So. And you have Facebook and Instagram. Yes, and I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody go check it out. Thank you, Russell. I appreciate your time today. You're welcome. Thank and all you, you do. Thank yeah. you. So everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Thank you so much. We love you. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>